Good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Stars. We are in the next to last week of the series we've been in, the book of James, talking about what it means to be under pressure, and that's where we're going to unpack some time today. So I want you to take your Bibles, if you would, turn to the book of James, James chapter 5. We're going to start reading down in verse 7, so I'll let you get ahead a little bit. James chapter 5, verse 7. If you got your physical Bibles, if you get to the maps, you went too far, turn around, go to the left, you'll get back to James. If you've got the app, the easiest way to follow along is North Star Church, Georgia, in the app store, and every literally everything you hear on Sundays, from the message to the announcements, everything is in there. You can sign up for stuff, and that is the easiest way to follow along, North Star Church, Georgia, in the app store, the waiting game. How many of you hate to wait, not like you dislike waiting, like you hate to wait. Raise your hand. I despise waiting, like not like, oh, I don't like to wait. No, 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 I despise it. I was just talking to a good friend, Chris, down here. He had told me about an app that you can download. I'm not gonna tell all of you about it because I don't want you to be in front of me in line. But anyway, so uh, app, so if you ever leave the country, when you come back in, you can go through this lane and it's quick. And he told me all about it. He's like, you'll walk right through. So I'm on the plane doing what my kids, it drives my kids crazy because I always tell everybody everything. I'm like, hey, you ought to download this app. It's an amazing app. It'll get get you through customs way faster. Like I go through customs like once every five years. And so I I download the app. I have it with me. I'm ready to go. And I tell my buddy about it. Well, the group I was with had to stop it was after the DR trip, the mission trip. So the group I was with had to stop and a couple of them had to go to the restroom and we waited on each other. We we're walking out together. Well, my buddy who I told it about had a connecting flight. He texted me, he's like, this thing is gold. I walked right through, it's amazing. I can't say thank you enough. And I'm like, now I'm gonna bolt on my group here in just a second because I didn't tell any of them about it. But anyway, so I walk up and they closed the lane and I had to walk through with everybody else, like a thousand people in one lane. Y'all know what I'm talking about. This is how you feel when you're waiting. And so I've got to walk through it and so I'm there talking to the little girl and I'm like, why did you close it? And she's like, well, I don't know. We just closed it. And I'm like, it was just open like three minutes ago. My friend went through it and she's like, I'm sorry, sir, it's closed. And one of my friends walked by and went, get in line, Jack. All right, get in line. And so I hate waiting. I was ready to go home. We hate waiting because we're not in control when we wait. And James nails it. This half-brother of Jesus, right, who met Jesus as his Savior after the resurrection, writes about it. Would y'all stand with me in honor of reading God's Word together? James chapter 5, verse 7. So last week, he talked about the persecuting, right, the rich. That's what we talked about last week, the money, all the stuff with that. Well, today he's talking to the persecuted, the people that are under the pressure. Verse seven, dear brothers and sisters, remember these these fellow believers in Christ, these that have left the Jewish faith, now they're following hard after Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who, what's the next word? Wait for the rains in the fall and spring. They're, They're This present tense waiting, they eagerly 
Look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too, he says it again, must be what? Take courage. Coming to the Lord is near. You, you find James, time out real quick. You find James and Paul both writing to people going, the coming of the Lord was near. Why did they write that? Because they thought the coming of the Lord was near. That's why they wrote it. They, they anticipated in their lifetime they would see Jesus return. Verse nine, don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. So he's saying God is watching while we're waiting. Don't grumble. What would they be grumbling? They'd be grumbling because you got something they didn't get. We would never do this. Just this happened back then. This doesn't happen today. So we, we can look back. I'm kidding. But anyway, here we go. For look, the judge is standing at the door for example of patience and suffering. Dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end. For the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. I don't know what season you walked in. Compass, True North, wherever you're watching from today. But if you're not waiting now, pretty good chance you'll be waiting soon. That's what we're going to talk about. Would you pray with me? Right where you're standing today, would you ask the Lord to speak to you, would you? And then would you tell him, God, when you speak, I'll listen. Just tell him. <laughs> Father, as I drove in early this morning, long before the sun came up, I just felt like today was a day that somebody <laughs> needed God, use your word to speak to that somebody. And Father, I pray it now in Jesus' name, amen. Before you're seated, turn around and find somebody around you. Welcome to North Star and tell them your favorite thing you're looking forward to eating on Thursday. All right, do that real quick. Well, happy Thanksgiving week. My favorite, my favorite of, of I love Christmas too, but... I love Thanksgiving. I just think it's a great week. People are so nice and kind and thankful and appreciative and go out of their way to help other people. It's just a great, it really, and that's just in my house. All right, and so it's a, really, it's, it's just a great, it's a great time of year. So what tests our patience? What is it that pushes our buttons? What is it when it happens it, it as, as my son used to say, grinds my gears, right? What, what is it, number one, when situations are uncontrollable? We can't control something. We want to. We want to get our arms around it. We want to hold on to it. But some situations are just uncontrollable. How many of you would say, I have issues, let's be honest here, I have issues with control. Raise your hand, okay? 
If you're wanting to control how I ask the question, you have issues with control, all right? And so it's one of those things that you struggle with. It's interesting how James paints the story. He said, consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and the spring that eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. Everybody back then knew the farmers. They understood it was a, that, that society, that was a very agricultural society in different parts of that region. And here's what you know about farmers. They till, they plant, they put the seed in, they cover, they weed, they water as much as they can, and they wait. No farmer goes on a Sunday afternoon and puts the seed out and expects it to be back by Monday morning. He knows, it's, she knows, it's just gonna take time. They can't control the rain. They can't control the drought. They can't control the sun. They can't control the cold. They literally... do their job, they work, and then they wait. How many of y'all had a, a parent or a grandparent or a great-grandparent that were farmers? Raise your hand. I did, so here's a picture. This is my, my grand, we called him Granddaddy Johnson. This is Granny and Granddaddy Johnson's farm down in Sonoya. They had a, a crop of, of corn that was over on one side. There he is sitting out in the field, and you'll see it coming up and it was different things at different times of the year and then he'd, he would do watermelons. Here's what I'd never thought of as a kid. I never thought of the waiting they had to do. They didn't have a sprinkler system. They didn't 4 a.m. before the sun came up, get the water out. They, they didn't do that. They prayed and they waited. All right, time out real quick. That's a pretty good generation of people too. Can we all agree with that? That's probably a better generation of people than we are now. I, I called him Granddaddy Johnson because back then grandparents didn't name themselves, all right, as they do now. So I talked to friends of mine. They're like, I'm gonna be a grandparent and here's what my name's gonna be. I'm like, do we get to choose? All right, and so I just remember calling him that. Well, he waited. But isn't it interesting how different they were as well about how they endured things compared to how we endure things. We go through something bad, we're ready for it to be over right then. They just understood that even while they were waiting, God was working, and here's how we try to control uncontrollable situations. I want you to write this down and we're gonna move on. We, we, could, we try to control uncontrollable situations by worry, right? We want to worry our control. We worry how it's gonna work out. We worry when it's gonna rain. We worry, and it may be about your kids, maybe about your finances, maybe about your story. We worry. We fret. We try to get our arms around it. You know, we say this all the time at North Star. I'm gonna say it, but you've heard it a thousand times. Worries are just prayers you say to yourself. That's all worries are. That generation, the farmers that he's talking about there, they took those and gave them to the Lord and said, God, you gotta send the rain and God, you gotta send it. And sometimes for us, with our children, we gotta go, God, you gotta, 
You got to do what you can do. Number two, when people are unchangeable. When situations are uncontrollable and when people are unchangeable. Look, look at what he says there. For examples of patience, literally, let me tell you what this means. Patience, macro, and then the word we get the word thermometer, thumo, literally means this. And I want you to write this down. This is really good. Long fuse. Long fuse. Meaning you have the ability to wait it out. So maybe you're somebody who you're talking about your temper, you've got a short fuse. It doesn't take a lot to set you off. A long fuse is somebody who plays the long game, right? They, they are able to wait. They're able to wait it out. For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. So let's think about a few of these. Elijah. Elijah went to the king and goes, there's not gonna, neither gonna be dew nor rain for three years. Now, you ever heard the term don't shoot the messenger, right? It's about the prophets because all their job is is they're delivering what God told them to do. Here's what prophets couldn't do. They couldn't change the people. Moses isn't necessarily considered a prophet, but Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. Well, Moses had no control over what Pharaoh did with his message. We got Elijah, we got Moses, we got Jeremiah. Lord have mercy. These jokers, they're just out talking and, and doing their thing. They're just saying what God, and they're, they're being oppressed and persecuted and hurt. But they knew this. What people do with it is not my control. Not, it's not in my control. I gotta have a long fuse. We want people to change when, now, right? That's how I want change. That may be in my marriage. It may be my children. I want change now. But sometimes situations are uncontrollable and people are unchangeable. Everybody look at me. People hate change. Can we agree with that? They hate change. The only person that likes to change is a baby, and that's the diaper, right? That's the only thing. They hate change. People don't like change. Why? Because it means they got to get out of their norm. They got to get out of their rut. They got to get out of what they've been going through, and people don't like change. And we get frustrated because change doesn't happen fast enough. There's not a coach that walks a sideline or is in a dugout who a player always responds when you want them to. And I tell coaches this all the time and teachers this. Kids are mutual funds. They're not day traders, man. You ain't putting money in getting it out that night. You're putting deposits into somebody that may not get it out till they're 40. That's a fact. Kids are the same way. Our children are the same way. When people are unchangeable, and number three, when problems are unexplainable. When there are things that we walk through in life, there are no answers to. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. 
Right, let's talk about old Job here real quick. <clears throat> Job, good dude. Great neighbor, great friend, good guy. Everybody liked Job because Job was righteous and he always did the right thing. And there's a day that's recorded in scripture where the enemy, Satan, is walking, speaking to God and said, he says, you know that your, 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 your blessed ones will turn against you if everything turns on them. And then God said, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan's like, well, I think he would too. And so God gives him permission to make a run at Job. Two things I learned from that. Number one, I pray God does not bring up my name. All right, next time that Satan's walking around. Because we know what happens to Job. In two days, he loses everything. Wealth, family, home, everything. The only thing he didn't lose was his wife who, so he loses everything and this is her response, I'll let you fill in. She said, why don't you just curse God and die? Now that's what you said your vows for right there, right? And so that's, he didn't lose her, but he lost everything else. And Job never gets a full answer to why. We want why, don't we? I want to know why. I want to know why I'm going through this. I want to know why this season. I want to know why this person. I want to know why all these things. I'm trying to, all right, everybody, look at me. I'm trying to get God into my compartment so I can understand it. All right, everybody, look at me. There are some things of the Lord we will never understand. We're just gonna have to trust. Does that make sense to everybody? I love what one writer, she said it this way. If God were small enough to be understood, he wouldn't be big enough to be worshiped. Hello. If God were small enough to be understood, he wouldn't be big enough to be worshiped. Joseph, Job, I could name them. I mean, Name a great character of scripture. I can name you a season where they were like, God, I, I don't get it. Anxiety comes when there's some problems that are unexplainable. So what do I do while I'm waiting? While I'm in the season that I don't see answers. They're not coming fast enough. Principle number one, God will have the final word. I've got to remember, God's going to have the final word. I want you to write it. Maybe this is the easier way to remember. My story isn't over. The ending is not written. Where I'm at right now is not the end of the, end of the play. It's not the end of the movie. It's not the end. It, it's just part. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. God is not done. Maybe today you walked in here and you're in that season of waiting, waiting on a child to get pregnant, waiting on an answer on your job, waiting on a 
situation with a family member, in your marriage, whatever it is, the story isn't over. I, any of us, if we punch pause in the middle of the story, we all quit. I'm out. Because there's just some things in my life and in your lives that don't make sense. God will have the final word. Number two, God will reward your endurance. We give great honor to those who endure suffering. I want you to write a little thought down. We've said it here a bazillion times. God will never waste your time and he'll never waste your experiences, ever. They're never wasted. God will never waste your time and he will never waste your experiences. They will be a reward to come and they will be a reward for you at some point in this life now. Dominic Doan, he's a great writer. He said it this way. In his book, an author, he was quoting somebody. He said, keep looking at the bandaged place. That's where the light always enters. God rewards endurance. There's some of you, I look out at you and I see you in this crowd. I know what you've walked through. I know what it took for you to get here. God's gonna reward your endurance. Mike, you're telling me that what I've been through is gonna be worth it? I'm not telling you that. He's telling you that. And I gotta trust what he's telling you, not what I'm telling you. There's some of you that you've grabbed my hand in waiting rooms and in hospital rooms and in, in dens and in my office and said, Mike, I don't understand why. And I have uttered these words to you. I don't either. But I trust God does. And he's gonna reward your endurance. And number three, God cares and he's working for my good. God cares. He's not oblivious. He's not forgotten you. 37 chapters, there is no word from God to Job. 37 chapters. I want you to write this little thought down. God is always at work while I'm waiting. You may not seem. Never mistake his silence for his absence. Romans 8, 28 is a verse that probably gets quoted a little too much at times because we're not really prepared to handle it. But Paul speaks to this and he says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And I'm gonna tell you something, it doesn't mean everything is good, it means it will be worked together for good. I've seen a lot of life because I get to live my, lives, my life alongside your lives. And I tell some of you this, seeing you in this crowd today, seeing you in around North Star gives me hope because I know what it took for you to get there. 
A few years ago, I got a phone call from a young lady who was not attending church here at the time, but had been an early, early part of North Star. In fact, I knew them, her and her husband, at my prior church, the only other church I've ever served in. I knew them there, and he, um, they were one of my first five weddings I did years ago, years ago. Lost touch with them, and I got a call from a good friend here uh, about a situation they were going through, and at 50, Matt, her husband, went home to be with the Lord during COVID. I mean, healthy as a horse, picture of health, and it got him. And I remember driving over to her house to meet with her and her kids. Not a lot of good, I can tell you. She remember holding their hands and praying and going, God's gonna get you through this. And it was as dark as dark could be in their lives. Two high school kids, one just graduated, one about to graduate. Then in our community, another gentleman who pastors another church actually here in our town, I get word that he had lost his wife very unexpectedly in a drowning accident um, at her home. And I remember reaching out to him, and I, I don't know him super well, but I remember reaching out and saying, man, if I could serve you in any way, I'd be honored to do that. Dark, dark day. This afternoon at 4.30, I will do a wedding between that pastor and that young lady who threw their funeral director who had done both funerals and is good friends with both families, introduced the two of them. And I'll stand there at 4.30 today and will not be able to unwind Romans 8.28. They both had great marriages with great families. They've both walked through great tragedy and found out God didn't forget them. Can I tell you something today for you? God hadn't forgot you either. And I am so honored to stand in that space today at his church. To say, to say no matter how dark the night may get, just like Job, and just like them, God has not forgotten you either. Everybody look at me. Wait, wait. Because the Lord's coming is near. Would you pray with me? Maybe you're here today and you go, Mike, I don't have a savior to wait on. You talk about the hope of Jesus. I don't have that hope. Mike, I want to. Boy, I'd love to lead you in a prayer. And it really isn't the words. It is the cry of your heart. And it goes like this, dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe you lived for me. I believe you died for me. 
And I believe he rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I give myself to you today. If you prayed that prayer today, welcome home. A little card that your host told you about earlier, you can check the box that I accepted Christ. You can go online and let us know. If you're watching online, you can let your host know. Amen. Maybe though, you're in that season of waiting. Would you pray that God would give you an iron, steadfast heart to wait on him and to trust him and to know he's got you. Would you just talk to him wherever you are today?